I hope you have a Bible with you. Please open it up over to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Dark days are up ahead. Now, if you haven't noticed, summer is coming. Uh, I know somebody said, well, later on in the week, snow is predicted, and uh, we'll see about that. We'll see how that all turns out. Maybe it will, maybe it isn't. It is April. We had a pretty mild March, didn't we? Compared to February. February was pretty brutal. But the summer is coming. And if you take a road trip this summer, you may very well run into some storms on the interstate. I think we've all been through that before, taking a road trip. You start out, the day is great, it's sunny, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, and then you start going and all of a sudden the sky up ahead is getting darker and darker and darker. It seems like we always run into storms when we travel through Wisconsin in the summer. I don't know, there seems to be a, a, a section there from around between, somewhere between Osseo and Eau Claire, Wisconsin, on the interstate, that you always get pelted with something. But anyways, it can be very sunny, then you see what is up ahead, and you, what do you see? You see dark, you see purple sky. And when it's purple, it's kind of like, boy, this is going to be interesting. You know, I, I guess I'm going to get a free car wash or something through this. <laughs> but there's no escaping it. If you're going to go in the direction, if you're going to go forward, if you're going to go to your destination, you're going to have to go through a storm, all right? And uh, it was, what was it, two summers ago, I think it was, we were coming back from the Grace Conference, and uh, we, we saw the thing, and oh, severe thunderstorm, so we stopped for lunch in, in Osseo, and we stopped at McDonald's there, and, and uh, we're having a salad, enjoying it, and all of a sudden, we heard this like that and we look out and there's our car just right outside the window I mean it's just sitting right there getting pelted with hail and it probably didn't last more than a minute but that was enough major hail damage on our car and I'm thinking yep it's summer in Wisconsin and of course right after that it was gorgeous outside but storms dark days up ahead you know on a much more serious note, and you know, that's, that's unfortunate if that happens, that that's inconvenient, it's going to cost money and all that kind of stuff. That is true. But friends, when you start talking about the future of your life, the future of the world in which we live in, then it's very, very serious. It's going to have a major impact on people. For those who have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, what is coming to the world according to the Bible. And remember, what God has said, that's the mold of what is coming because he's always right. Many, many prophecies have already been fulfilled, hundreds of prophecies to the letter, exactly. Some of them uh, having to do with people by name, nations by name, they've all been fulfilled and it's happening and it, everything's lining up for what he says is coming. Okay, the dark clouds, you might say, are up ahead. He told us what all about them, and he said, okay, there they are. I can see them on the horizon. They're on their way. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what's coming should be very scary to you, appropriately. It is called, in Scripture, it is called something called the Day of the Lord. And we see that here in 2 Thessalonians. It is a time when God pours out his wrath on the world. You know, it is hunting season on Christians today. All around the world, 
Christians in other parts of the world are going through way worse than what we are here, but we know things are ramping up and we know there is a war and there's a discrimination and there is persecution ramping up here in America. It's nothing compared to what is coming. And we're going to be talking about some of the things that are coming, but more importantly, how you can be sure of escaping that. And you can be sure. But it is a time when God pours out his wrath on the world. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. I thought God was a God of love. Why would he pour out his wrath, his anger, his fury on the world? Well, because in certain periods of time, we see all through scripture, there were times when because of the wickedness of man, because it was so great, because the rebellion towards him was so great. And by the way, God is God. He is the boss of the universe. And he he says it needs, uh, things should be his way, and that's what he wants. He wants things to be his way, and ultimately he'll have things his way, regardless of what man says. Now, some people are so foolish as to say, well, you know what? I don't believe in God. Oh, well, that takes care of that, right? I guess he'll just go hide in a corner, just because he, after all, you're the most important person, and you're the one who needs to be right, right? Well, I tell you, you'll believe in God one day. I urge you to believe in him before you die and trust Christ as your savior before you die because friend, the moment you die, you'll know that what the Bible has said is true. Now I know there are people, they get infuriated when you say something like that. Listen, we don't say that to infuriate. We say that to warn you. Dark days are up ahead. Dark days are up ahead. This issue of the day of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now remember, 2 Thessalonians followed shortly after the letter of 1 Thessalonians. There is a context. 1 Thessalonians told us all about the rapture of the church. When Jesus comes, he comes and he descends and he's going to be in the air and he's going to call up all those who have trusted in him and him alone as savior. He's going to call them up to meet him in the air. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Believers are going to be taken out of the world. And we're going to in a moment in a twinkling of an eye are going to see Jesus face to face in the clouds. Okay. And he's going to take us to heaven. Now we're going to be in heaven for the Bible says a seven year period of time. It's called the tribulation period. And that period of time is the beginning of what's called the day of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 4, we saw the teaching in chapter 4 of the rapture of the church. And I'll show you these in a chart in just a minute. Then after that, once the church is taken out of the world, there's seven years of tribulation. And then there's the kingdom age, which is a thousand years long. Yes, folks, the Bible is this specific on these details. By the way, only the Bible is this specific on these things. Why? God's the one who knows the future and he's the one who's going to make it happen. And so we can be sure of this. So Thessalonians, what happened is Paul wrote this letter in 1 Thessalonians. He said, comfort one another with these words. He said it twice, telling them, listen, the rapture's coming. You're going to be taken out of the world. Then the day of the Lord will come. It'll be a terrible time. But before he talked about the day of the Lord, he says, comfort one another with these words that you're going to be taken out. And then at the end of the passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, where he says, God has not ordained us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Then he says again, comfort one another with these words. So we have the promise that we're going to be taken out of the world before the tribulation period, which begins the day of the Lord, takes place. Now, in between 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, somebody evidently representing Paul 
told these people, no, you're going to go through at least part of the day of the Lord. Well, this letter that they got, which was false, which was false information, shook them up. And why did it shake them up? It shook them up because Paul had taught them a pre-tribulational rapture. That's why. And so we pick up in 2 Thessalonians 2, and he says this, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together unto him, that's the rapture, You notice he doesn't come back to earth all the way and set up his kingdom here. No, we're gathered together unto him. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. So evidently something had been said or something had been written and they got this information that contradicted what Paul had taught them. As that the day of Christ is at hand. Okay, verses one and two, it is clear that they had either heard false information supposedly from Paul that said that the day of the Lord had begun, all right? And so let's look at some different aspects to this. First thing is this, that the, uh, we'll, we'll reveal what the error was that they received. They were shaken in mind because they had been looking for a pre-tribulational rapture. Now listen, If Paul did not teach them the rapture would take place before the tribulation, they wouldn't be shaken in mind. They were shaken in mind because somebody told them, no, you're in the day of the Lord now. You're in the day of the Lord. Yet they weren't. It is clear from the first letter that the rapture would come first, then the day of the Lord. Yet they were suffering persecution, heavy persecution, which, by the way, is indicative of what's going to be going on, characteristic of what will be happening during this seven-year tribulation following the rapture. Paul is writing to correct the air they had been given and also to bring them comfort. Now, some of the confusion comes in in verse 2, where it says, as that the day of Christ is at hand. A lot of your new Bibles will say, as if the day of the Lord is at hand. You might say, well, which one is it? The day of the Lord or the day of Christ? You might say, well, isn't it the same word? Well, actually, it is different, okay? In our, in our Bible, our King James Bible, in the Textus Receptus, the received text, which it's based on, it is the word Christos, referring to Christ, Okay. In your modern Bibles, based on the, the eclectic text, Westcott and Hort, so forth, it is kurios, which is the word Lord. So they are different. They differ there. All right? So you might say, well, well, which one fits? Well, our Bible says the day of Christ. Why would it say the day of Christ is at hand? And by the way, where it says at hand, it, it literally means it's, it's a perfect tense. It means had come. In other words, it's here. It's here. Okay, so why would it say that? Okay, well, the day of Christ, which is the rapture, this is what ushers in the beginning of the day of the Lord. Okay, listen carefully. The day of Christ, the rapture, is what ushers in the beginning of the day of the Lord. When Christ comes back at the rapture, the day of Christ, it allows the day of the Lord to begin. The two concepts here are used together, okay, together. And if you don't see that, that is where some of the confusion comes in. By the way, by the way, is Jesus Christ the Lord? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But it is accurate to have the day of Christ in our Bibles. And again, as I mentioned, where it says the day of Christ is at 
hand, or literally had come. Keep in mind, okay, I just got an email about two weeks ago, somebody saying, well, well, isn't it true that uh, there are signs for the, you know, and the, the question was, if the rapture is imminent, isn't it true at the same time that there are signs for the rapture? And I said, no, there are no signs for the rapture. But they said, well, isn't it then, if the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation, and there are signs or trends for the tribulation, then wouldn't those be signs for the rapture? And I said, yes and no. I said, there are no signs for the rapture. (laughs) It could take place at any time. But the fact that our time is running out before the tribulation, we know the rapture is soon. Let me give you an illustration. We got the flagpole over here, right? The American flag. Now, if I was standing way over there, I could say, okay, the rapture could take place any, you know, any time in between, so to speak. But if I am standing much closer to the flag, and I know that the rapture has to take place before I get there, then yes, it's got to be sooner, 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 sooner. Do you get the, do you get the picture here as we go through time? So there are no signs for the rapture, but there are signs for the tribulation period. If the tribulation is very close, then the rapture is that much closer. Whatever is a trend for the tribulation is indirectly a trend for the rapture. Yet at the same time, remember, the rapture could take place at any time. So if, if, uh, if I'm, let's say, let's say for an example, here's an example. Let's say that... Um, Israel's not back in the land. Let's say for an example that we're, we're not uh, moving very quickly to a one world currency. Let's say for an example, we're not moving very quickly to uh, one world religion. Now all those things, by the way, we are, as I'm gonna mention in just a minute, okay? Does that mean that the rapture can't take place? No, the rapture can take place at any time. God will pull it off. However, if I am seeing all the things that line up with the tribulation, getting close, then I know that our time for the rapture is getting close as well. I hope you understand that, okay? Verse three, it says this, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come, okay? Now it's the day of the Lord ushered in by the rapture. In other words, the rapture takes place, then it's now talking about the day of the Lord. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, okay? Let me show you a chart. This is a prophecy chart we like using here in church. And just to where you can visualize it, okay? Here's the first coming of Christ, the death of Christ. Here's the period in which we live. Now you notice I say, I think it's approximately 2,000 years. I had a question recently, somebody emailed me. Why do you say it 2,000 years? And then I talked to them about some different things with numerology. I can't prove that. And I'm not saying it's exactly 2,000 years. I'm just kind of guessing, okay? It's an educated guess. That's all it is. It's not set in stone. You understand? And why is that? Well, the rapture could take place at any time. That's okay. And so what's going to end the church age, the rapture of the church, when we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Now, after that, when that takes place, the tribulation begins, which is the beginning of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord covers from the tribulation to eternity. Okay, that period of time. Where are we in this timeline? I think we are right there. I think we are just right, right. I can't even hold it still. 
okay, it's, we're, I think we're so close to the rapture. could take place at any moment. It could take place before the service is over. Now, let me say this. If you have not trusted Christ the Savior, what does that mean? Here's what it means. You're not going at the rapture. You're going to be left behind. What that means is this, realistically. I know most of the people in this room, and I believe most of the people in this room have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. So friend, if you have never trusted in him and him alone as your Savior, apart from your good works, because your good works will not save you. More about that in a little bit. Here's what that means. If the rapture was to take place in a moment, people all around you would disappear. Literally vanish. Now I know that sounds like a Hollywood movie. But it's not. It's what the Bible teaches. And the truth of it is, you don't want to be left behind because the time following the rapture, this seven year period, Jesus said it will be the worst time that the world has ever known. Ever. Ever. Unbelievable judgments, chaos, natural disasters, killing, slaughtering people. I mean, it's, it's more than you can almost take in. Okay? And by the way, God is the one who holds the future, and I can promise you this 100%. The world is not going to be destroyed by climate change. All right? And cows passing gas out in the field have nothing to do with it. And you can't change it either by doing that, so I just wanted to let you know that. Okay. All right. So what do we see? We see the error revealed. Paul says, listen, If you're wondering whether you're in tribulation or not, which is what they were wondering because of false information they were fed. If you're wondering whether you're in the tribulation or not, that period can't come until at least he mentions in the text here, three things happen. Number one, and let's look at them, the future explained. Several events had to take place before they could clearly say that the day of the Lord had come. First, there was going to be a great falling away. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Greek word is apostasy or apostasia. We get our word apostasy from it, okay? There have always been those who have left the truth of Scripture. There have always been those who have rejected the word of God. Maybe at one point they believed it. Now they don't believe it anymore. There's always been people like that. But this is seen in Scripture as an event. This is very important, an event, not just a normal defection from the truth. I am convinced that what will cause this great apostasy to take place is that the rapture is going to take place. You might say, well, well, how are they connected? Okay, let me explain it. Every Bible-believing church, everyone who's trusted Jesus Christ the Savior who makes up those churches... All the pastors of those churches, okay, if they've trusted Christ alone as Savior, all those people are going to disappear all over the world. The only thing left will be false doctrine. It'll be a major cataclysmic departure from the truth of God. Why? Because the truth of God will not be being preached. Now, there will come some come on the scene very shortly after that who will start who will accept Christ, and then they'll start preaching and teaching the word of God globally, all right? But at the very beginning, it'll be a huge vacuum of truth, unlike anything we've ever seen. The rapture is the reason the apostasy is so major. When the salt and light of the church, which Jesus said that's what we are, 
When the salt and light of the church is taken out of the world, it will create a vacuum for truth and it will open up the floodgates of apostasy all over the world. We are leading up to that in the days in which we live. We see the seeds of that. We see the, the uh, it's sort of like when you start seeing weeds show up in your yard this time of the year. Okay, you know they're coming. It's just a matter of when are they gonna start showing up? This is the way it is. We see the weeds. We see things lining up. We see the trends pointing to the time when that's gonna take place. But the great apostasy is gonna be an event. And it's going to be awful. The movement today of getting away from doctrine and solid Bible teaching into experience-oriented Christianity is paving the way for the great apostasy. Let me just mention this. It's kind of like a shot over the bow of the boat uh, this morning, okay? If you usually go to a church where the vast majority of the service is praise and worship music, that is a problem. That is a problem. If you want to know how church is supposed to be, look at the Bible. The emphasis on Bible is learning the word of God, praying together, and fellowshipping with one another. And yes, they sang, but the majority of their service was not singing. And it wasn't, it wasn't 45 minutes of singing, 15 minutes of a sermonette for Christianettes. It was these people were learning solid Bible Okay, they were learning the word of God. They were learning it topically. They were learning it verse by verse. By the way, that's how back then, that's how pastors got educated and trained is they were learning it in the local church. They didn't have Bible colleges back then. That's the way church is supposed to be. But we see today, we see an emphasis on experience instead of black and white truth. It's all experience. It's all how I feel. It's all, well, that makes me feel good. Well, I, I like the way this feeling and that feeling. I want to feel this way. Uh, let me tell you, friends, some of these churches today, you go to these churches and before the service starts, they got somebody walking around with a tray with earplugs on there. So, well, this is for you. If the music gets too loud for you, you can use these earplugs. What does that have to do with God? and learning about him. And I'd say, we well, sound pretty critical. Well, I am being critical. It's not right. It's not what you see in the Bible. The Bible's a standard for faith and practice. We are seeing it today. If people do not know the truth, they will believe a lie. And so if the churches are not teaching the truth, the people are going to be gullible and they'll accept anything. And let me say this, if a church is not preaching the gospel, people are not getting saved. They may be religious, they may be coming every week, they may be pumped about going because they're going to a Christian rock concert every week, but friends, if they're not learning the gospel and if they're not learning the word of God, they're being set up to swallow lies. And that's where things are going in many cases today. And this will clearly lead into the one world religion of the tribulation period, that seven-year period of time, all right, that seven-year period of time, there's going to be a one-world religion during that time, Revelation 17. There must be a common thread and an attraction to having all the religions come together. Have you ever thought about that? I believe the, the one-world religion of the last days, people have said, you know, people have wondered, well, is it Islam because of the rise of Islam? No, it's not Islam. Let me tell you something, dear friend. Islam is going to be destroyed during the tribulation period. I think the scriptures are very clear on that. 
Actually, it could take place even before, but I think it's during. And I, I don't have time to get into that, why I believe that, okay? That's coming. Some people say, well, it's Roman Catholicism. No, it's not Roman Catholicism, although the one world religion will be, the home of one world religion will be Rome, according to Revelation chapter 17. I have no question about that in my mind. But the religion of the tribulation period, listen carefully, let me describe it for you. It will be a religious, humanistic mysticism. And by the way, this is where churches are going today. Even churches where believers are, we're getting into this mysticism, contemplative theology, all right? Where the word of God is not sufficient anymore. Now what they do is they just sit there and they wait for God to speak. Well, how do you know it's God who's speaking? The only way you can know is by the word of God. Well, then let's teach the Bible. That's the standard. The movement today of getting away from doctrine and solid Bible teaching into experience-oriented Christianity is paving the way for the great apostasy. All right? And this is where it's going. Let me ask you a question today. What do all false religions have in common? There's got to be something to bring them all together. What's it going to be? Can I tell you what it is? It is works for salvation. Works for salvation. Every false religion believes that man can get salvation or heaven or karma or whatever you want to call it by the way they live their lives. Human potential movement, positive confession, faith in faith, okay? Some of your groups, not everybody, but some of your Pentecostal groups, this word of faith movement and all that, it's all false. It's all false teaching. Okay? It's not faith and faith. Well, if you can just say it and believe it, it'll happen. Where'd you get that? You didn't get that from the Bible. Sometimes I wonder, there'll be new businesses open in St. Cloud. And they're just quirky businesses. They're just quirky. And you think, is anybody really going to want that? I mean, who came up with that idea? Who in the world came up with that? And within a year or two, that business is out of business. Now, I don't know why it happened, but sometimes, of course, I'm always trying to filter things through the scripture. I'm thinking, I wonder if they went to some seminar and they paid a bunch of money by some expert and they were into this, if you believe you will achieve kind of stuff. And they swallowed that positive confession belief. And by the way, the positive confession movement that is in the quote-unquote church today, they got it from secularists who weren't even saved. It's the same idea, but it's marketed for the church. That's where they're getting us. And so you've got all these people. Well, the reason you, you haven't been healed yet is because you don't have enough faith. You need to have more faith and all these kind of things. Friend, it's not always God's will to heal you physically in this life. By the way, there is a day coming when you will, if you're saved, you'll have ultimate healing. But it may not be according to while you're still alive. You might say, how in the world do you figure that if a person dies, they've had an ultimate healing? Well, if you're saved, you graduated, right? You're going to get a new body one day. I mean, it's going to be glorious. New home, new body. For the believer, that's all coming. I'd say that's, that's an upgrade. I'm for that upgrade. No, there's got to be a common thread. And the common thread with all religions is works for salvation. It is all the false idea that man's works, man's abilities, man's potential 
can solve all problems. That's why you have these people who've got these ideas such as, okay, you know what, our problem in the world, you know, we're going to destroy ourselves in 10 years or whatever. Our problem in the world is we're driving cars, so everybody needs to walk. And that'll solve it. We can solve this. No, you can't. You think too highly of yourself. You can't solve this. And then, by the way, if everybody in America started walking, it's not going to make the Chinese quit driving. Have you seen their problem? Half the time, people are walking around in China and Beijing and places like that with masks over their faces because the pollution's so bad. Anyway, it all fits. Folks, all these things are related. It all comes back to man thinking he can save himself. He can save the planet. He can save himself. He can save the spotted owl. Why would you want to save a spotted owl and kill a baby in the womb? Okay? Slaughter a living human being in the womb. Well, it's not a person. What? It's not a person? Does some magical thing take place once they come through the birth canal into the world? They're something less than human, but now they're born and now they're okay? And by the way, that now is not even acceptable with the new abortion laws going on around the country. Listen, this is all related, okay? The climate change movement, the anti-Christian solutions for conflicts and problems, the new definition of tolerance, by the way, which is anything but tolerance. It's completely flipped meaning. You know what tolerance means? By the way, can I say this? True Christians are the most tolerant people in the world. And when I say true Christians, I'm talking about those who have trusted Jesus Christ alone as Savior. They're the most tolerant people in the world. Did you know that? Here's what we believe. You know what? Whether you agree with me or not, I'm going to love you. I'm going to treat you in a kind, respectful way, whether you agree with me or not. Now that's tolerance. Not your way is unacceptable. And because all of us disagree with you, we need to get rid of you. Sounds to me like that's prejudice, not tolerance. It's all related. Do we not see the seeds and even the growth of this apostasy today where we have completely rejected the ways of God and we are adopting mysticism, we are adopting, adopting humanism, we are adopting globalism, we're adopting all, everything and anything but what God says. That's apostasy. And that is going to explode once the church is taken out of the world because the only thing keeping it back is the church. Remember, there is the truth and there is the lie. The truth is that we have no ability to save ourselves and that Jesus Christ and he alone is the answer. We must have faith in him and what he did on the cross to pay for our sins. That is the only way of salvation according to him. One of the lies being taught today is that we must have faith in our faith or faith in ourselves the positive confession movement, so forth. Hold your place here and look over a couple pages to your right. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is telling young Timothy, who's a pastor, he says, listen, you've been given the word of God. The word of God will be doing amazing work in people's lives. Give them the scriptures. They're inspired by God. That's where the answer is. 
And then he says in 2 Timothy 4.1, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, be ready. Instant means be ready. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, re- exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Then we get to verse three and look what it says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Okay, endure means put up with, put up with. Sound doctrine, okay, what is that? The word sound means healthy. Doctrine means teaching. The day will come when people are not going to want to put up with teaching from the word of God that produces spiritual health. That is going to be a blessing to them. People aren't going to put up with that. But look at this. But after their own lusts, their own desires, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, who can I find that will tell me what I want to hear? Okay? So what do you have? You've got these these smiling preachers who are basically nothing more than positive motivating coaches in churches. And they've got huge crowds. Why? Because they never take a stand on anything that's destroying society. That's why. It's only just you're great, God loves you, you're the best, he's for you, and all these kind of things. Well, you know, there's a little bit of truth in a couple of those things, but a lot of that's just not true. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto, isn't that an interesting word? Fables, fables. Make-believe stories. Make-believe. The world is getting prepped for the great apostasy. See, when the true believers are taken out of the world at the rapture, the world, including false Christians, those who never trusted Christ alone as their Savior, they're religious, They go to a quote-unquote Christian church, quote-unquote, but they don't believe that it's only through what Christ did on the cross. They believe their good works can save them. Those people will embrace the lie. And isn't it interesting that one of the main things the Antichrist will offer, by the way, is signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Miracles. Miracles. By the way, I'm not talking about David Copperfield magic stuff. I'm talking about real miracles, supernatural things. The tribulation period is going to have a lot of supernatural things going on, a lot of them demonic. Listen, we'll pick up on this next week, but let me take you to the last part of the message today because we need to get this in. I wish I could go all day. I could go all day on this, but we're not going to. Let's go to number three and we'll cover two and three next week. Here you go. The need of the hour. The need of the hour. What is the need of the hour? This is the time to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Friend, let me, let me just tell you this, okay? There's a restrainer in the world right now, and that restrainer is the Holy Spirit. He is restraining evil from completely taking over this world. And the Holy Spirit lives within the body of Christians, those who have trusted Christ as Savior. The Bible says the restrainer is going to let go. He's going to stop restraining at one point. When is that going to take place? It's going to take place when the church is raptured to heaven. Again, that points to a pre-tribulational rapture. This is coming. This is coming. Now, you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us if you trust in Christ as your Savior, God will give you everlasting life. You not only are given a home in heaven, you're also given deliverance from this 
tribulation period that's just around the corner. In other, a corner. In other words, you're going to be taken out of the world before the tribulation begins. You might say, well, what does that mean to trust Christ as Savior? Well, go with me to John chapter 3. I've covered things today that were not in your notes, that weren't even in my notes, but I believe God wanted me to say them. I believe there are people here today, and I believe there are people who are going to watch us over the internet that for whatever reason they needed to hear what we covered today about some of these things, friend. Listen, I am simply here in love warning you of what is coming. And to be able to connect the dots of how the seeds of what is coming, they are already present in our world and they're already moving in that direction. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What is it talking about? It's talking about why God sent Jesus into the world so that you could live with God forever. How does that take place? Well, you need to understand something. Look up here. Watch this very carefully. I'm going to illustrate it for you. Let my left hand represent you and me, all of us, We're going to let this wallet represent all the things we do wrong. God calls them sin. We are all sinners. We all do things wrong, right? I do. So do you. Yet the Bible says God loves us. He hates our sin. Now, God says this, though, in his word, that heaven is a perfect place. And for you to get into heaven, you have to be sinless in his eyes. Well, you know, that leaves all of us out. We're all disqualified because we're all sinners. Not only that, but because we've sinned against God, God says the wages of sin is death. It's something that we've earned. We've earned death, which means if we die with our sin, we'd have to spend forever separated from God in a literal hell. God does not want that for anyone. So what he has is he had a plan of salvation. He had it from eternity past, but he put it in motion. Here's what he did. See, if you gotta be perfect to get to heaven, none of us are. So that throws out the idea of you can earn it by your good works. Why? Well, here we are as sinners. If you piled on a whole lifetime of good works, it still doesn't take away the sin. The sin has to be gone, okay? The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So because there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, if we die with our sin, we'd be lost forever. God doesn't want that. What he did was this. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, sinless. And when Jesus came into the world, he lived a perfect life. And when he went to the cross, he went to the cross, not for himself. He went there for you. He went there for me to die in our place and take all of our sin upon himself He made the payment so that we don't have to. He shed his blood. He was buried and three days later rose from the grave. And he says this, if you will believe in him, put your faith in him that he made that payment for you, the moment you do, he will give you everlasting life in heaven as a free gift. It's a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, if you will believe in him, you will not perish. That would mean go to hell, but have everlasting life. When do you receive that everlasting life? The moment you believe. And it's your promise of heaven. 
You can have it today. There's no strings attached. It's not a matter of making promises with God. It's not a matter of promising God things because the truth of it is, friend, you can't live up to your promises. We've already sinned. We're disqualified. God is saying this. Listen, there's nothing you can do to get to heaven except trust in my son. But if you'll trust in my son, I'll give you everlasting life. I'll give you a home in heaven. Look at it again in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Please, friend, trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior today. He'll save you forever, from hell to heaven. And not only that, with that comes the bonus that you will be saved from going through that tribulation period, which is just up ahead. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.